to another episode of the Aquatic Mentors podcast. I'm your host, Katrina Van Eyck. And in this episode, I interview an industry professional with a highly successful 17-year career in swimming. They're a three-time Olympian, a businessman, a public personality, and a motivational speaker. So please extend a big welcome to the podcast for Michael Klim. Michael was always drawn to the pool and enjoyed learning to swim as a young child. He found the pool offered him stability and a community environment with a common language in his early life when his family moved around the world before finally settling into Australia. Michael's amazing swimming career saw him receive a total of six Olympic medals. He broke multiple world records and collected the title of World Swimmer of the Year. Today, this athlete turned businessman draws on his professional experience as a world champion to drive the success of his entrepreneurial ventures, including his swim school Klim Swim and his global skincare brand Milk & Co, amongst many other ventures. Drawing on the knowledge and skills he learned in swimming and with the help of other experienced aquatic professionals, Michael opened Klim Swim Swim School with his family in 1997. Klim Swim has expanded to three venues including in Bali and Michael enjoys spending time in Bali with his three gorgeous children and shares his time between Bali and Australia. This year, Michael was inducted into the International Swimming Hall of Fame. And while he still enjoys swimming in the pool, he has found a new passion in open water swimming with a seven-year involvement in the World Series Swims, which includes several open water swims around Australia. The events included in the World Series Swims cover events from beginner to more advanced marathon swimmers. Michael enjoys connecting with charities and those in need and he has affiliations with charities including the Brainwave Foundation, the Polished Man Campaign and Eczema Association of Australia. His experience as a world champion in the pool guides his work in the corporate sector as a keynote speaker and through his personal development workshops and mentoring programs. Through today's episode, Michael shares some insights into his work as well as his thoughts on swimming and where he sees swimming moving to into the future. Please share the hidden gems you find in Michael's interview on our Facebook page, Aquatic Mentors, and you will find his contact details listed at the end of the show notes. If you want to share your aquatic journey with myself and my audience, please connect with me via my email, regionalswimclinics at outlook.com. And check out our website at aquaticmentors.com.au for our Season 1 ebook, covering the tips and tricks offered by our Season 1 guests. So let's jump in and find out more about Michael's journey in swimming. So, Michael, how did you start your journey in swimming? Well, I've got a pretty interesting journey, I think. I, I've been swimming for as long as I can remember, pretty much. You know, I learned to swim when I was just over one year of age. So my parents and my family was living in India at the time. I was born in Poland and my dad got a job working for the Polish consulate in, in India. Um, and we moved there as a family. And obviously, India is very... Uh, the climate is conducive to swimming and most of the day when dad would go to, off to work and uh, mum would take us to a, a kind of like a country club style pool and we were thrown into learn to swim from the age of pretty much the same time I, I learned to walk, I learned to swim. So swimming is something that I found in my life very early on mm-hmm. and you know I think I got a really strong affinity with swimming from my childhood because I as a lot of things changed around me and I moved back to Poland and then moved to Canada and Germany and eventually Australia, the thing that I always used to gravitate to was the swimming pool. And I just fell in love with swimming and, and that's the place that I felt most comfortable in. And yeah, so for me, yeah, swimming has been part of my life as long as I can remember. Wow. What an amazing story. <laughs> and to have gone so far, I through my research, I knew you were born in Poland, but I didn't know you'd gone everywhere else as well. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, look, I think it's. In, I feel very fortunate to have travelled so much and 
grown up in many different countries and I've been exposed to so many different cultures and I, I still believe it's one of the best educations you can have as a kid and my kids have also grown up in another country and uh, you learn so much and yeah so I'm really grateful for that. Yeah that's something my husband and I value as well you can tell the difference of people who have traveled and, and taken in the world compared to those that have been in that little box and I think it's absolutely amazing to be able to give your kids that opportunity to travel and see the world. Yeah definitely and uh, especially when you you get exposed to probably less fortunate countries as well and you know India and even we spend or we live in Bali most of the time and the kids see how fortunate they are because even within Bali you've got the expat community that you know very lucky to be able to live in in a place like Bali where most of the people living there are really poor they live week to week and it's really money just goes to feeding their families so yeah hopefully something will stick and you know the kids will appreciate what they've got yeah definitely that's the one thing you want in life that they appreciate (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) exactly so in regards to Poland is it is swimming a big thing in Poland or in these other countries or is it as big as it is for Australia Look, I think in, it definitely in, in Poland, it has become a lot more popular. And, you know, there's been some Olympic champions past, and, but it's probably not as many as, as in Australia. I think it's not as big a part of their culture as what it is here. But um, I think it's since the war went down and the end of the communist regime, there's been, it, there's been an influx into sporting facilities and accessibility to, to, to swimming. So since that time, I've definitely seen huge increase in in the numbers in Poland and and even through social media, the you know how active some of the uh, the clubs are in Poland and also some you know publications that write about swimming. So they're they're huge fans, but probably it's not as inbred as what it what it is here in Australia. You know they've had a couple uh, great swimmers along the way. Yeah, that's fantastic that it's building and becoming an interest do they claim you as polish or do we (laughs) look i don't think they claim me there's definitely a i've always had a great affinity with with the polish journalists and the after the sydney olympics i did a bit of a tour of some swimming clubs and uh in poland so you know i think they were still pretty proud of the fact that i was born there even though i migrated and was representing another country so it was great to see that there was no animosity, you know, for the fact that I moved away. But, you know, I was trying to, to, to pass on my knowledge to some of their up-and-coming swimmers and, you know, they're really grateful for that. So, um, yeah, everything was, uh, it was, it was sort of at the start where swimming started becoming really popular in Poland again, which is a really good time for me as well. That's brilliant. And to be able to give back and go back to your roots and be able to offer them, you know, that, interest in that spark is a fantastic opportunity for you yeah definitely and it's something that that I've noticed that in Australia we've obviously we start from grassroots and we've learned to swim as you know and it's something that in Poland probably lacked a little bit so they didn't have that influx of of young swimmers sort of you know rather than going to play soccer trying to get them diverted to swimming a little bit. So that messaging and that these numbers are also increasing over time. Yeah, that's brilliant. Well, they're doing something right and maybe we can learn from it to increase our numbers. That's again. It. Exactly. <laughs> so how did your career develop into the legend that you are now from getting into the pool and visiting those countries to then becoming the amazing Olympic swimmer? <laughs> Look, I think that, you know, definitely those initial years when I was traveling have played a big part of that because I think I, I found that, you know, for me, or being part of a swimming club was a very comfortable place for me. And it was almost as with all these things, different things changing in languages, my friends and, you know, everything that around me was changing. I think that the only thing that remained constant was the water and, you know, the swimming clubs and almost I could speak that common language of swimming. So, and yeah, so when I got to Melbourne, I, I went to the State Swimming Centre, which doesn't exist anymore, <laughs> um, and joined the Melbourne Big Centre Swimming Club. And Gene Jackson was my coach and I was 11 at, at that time. And, 
You know, I think it, for many years, I was still just a, a promising junior and I was swimming once a day and probably, at, you know, when I was 13, 14, started winning age championships and became became a national champion for my age category. But I think I was around 15 or 16 that a couple of coaches from the AIS tapped me on the shoulder in, in Perth and they said, we'd like for you to come and try out to swim in Canberra at the AIS with us. And that was probably the biggest turning point in my career because I had to make a decision. Will I stay in Melbourne and swim? And, you know, at the time, the VIS was pretty small and didn't have a great infrastructure facilities. But the Institute of Sport was a really well established, had a lot of the funding. And, but I was only, you know, 15, 16. So I had to, you know, move away from home, make a few sacrifices. And, but I did make that decision to do so and moved away. And the rest is really history. So I got to join the squad with Alexander Popov and Gennady Turetsky and some, some amazing swimmers that, that were already there from Nicole Livingston, Patria Thomas and Scott Goodman. And, you know, I think over a third of the Australian swimming team was based in Canberra. And for a junior, I was kind of, thrusted into this environment where there was, there was so many successful athletes from all around Australia and yeah so for me that was probably the that moment where things really turned in well I wouldn't say it took me a while to, to to find my feet training in that environment because as a junior you sort of you always you know the best <laughs> the, the best kind of biggest fish in a little in a little pond but when you get when you're swimming next to the fastest swimmers in the world, you you find your place pretty quickly. But it, yeah, it took me a couple of years to really uh, get the most out of the environment which Canberra was. And I think you don't realise how much, like for a 15-year-old, how much of a change that would have been being thrown in, like you said, a big fish in a little pond to a small fish in a bigger pond with these amazing swimmers at yeah. such a young age as well, still having to develop school, away from family it's a total different life to be able to mentally take that all on and the pressure that comes with that and to then still Mm. be able to achieve and not get bogged down by it all I think that's an amazing achievement yeah and look I think the other thing you touched on was I was still finishing year 12 you know I was still doing year 12 by correspondence I was you know pretty much packed up my bags and my my school bag as well and I still had to sort of try and complete I was doing the international baccalaureate the IB and so I still had some pretty important things to to finish with school-wise and and it's more just I realized that the older guys just knew how to use all those resources around us much better you know we had great masseuses physiotherapists biomechanists nutritionalists and you know we had great food and you know dining hall that was open almost 24 hours a day there were so many things that were set up for us to achieve great things and train well and recover. But I think I, I didn't have the knowledge how to utilize all those resources very well. So me, uh, it took me a while to get that right. But, you know, once it did, it sort of kicked off to it pretty well. Yeah, and that's the thing. Once you work out where you are and where you fit into the whole category and I suppose being a 15, 60-year-old kid walking in with a food hall open 24-7 and <laughs> the amount of exercise you were doing, um, you would be hungry. And as any growing boy is, you go in and just big out to be able to make the right choices and your career choices for your career and what's ahead. And, yeah, yeah. it's a an overwhelming feeling. Yeah, and I was very fortunate to be able to watch you know, the likes of Alex Popov, as I mentioned, to what he was doing in the in the training pool and then some of the other guys who were living on site in the, on, at the dorms. And, you know, like obviously we're still teenagers and still trying to have a fun time, but then you have to realise that we were only a couple of years away from the Olympic Games in, in Atlanta and we all had this opportunity to compete for our country. So there was... You know, like it's a really tricky and interesting time because you still want to be a, not really a kid, but you still want to enjoy the process. But then you understand that the opportunities are there. So there is a lot of sacrifices that you still have to make. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. For me, I ended up staying at the Institute for eight years, just, just over eight years. So um, pretty much my entire kind of successful part of my swimming career was, it was done out of Canberra. And I think it was 
a lot of people used to have comments about the fact how boring it was, they couldn't live there. But I think for us, we we used to travel a lot as a squad and, and compete and used to travel to altitude camps and all around the world. But when we used to come back to Canberra, that was sort of our base and we had no distractions. We could walk to our dining room, we could walk to our dorms and everything was really made so much easier for us to perform and recover and so yeah it was great not having those distractions and we could you know get ready to to embark on whatever trip we had coming on coming up next yeah yeah you needed that normality of being back at the AIS and compared to everything else that goes on exactly yeah that's amazing Uh, I just my sister was shortlisted for gymnastics for the Atlanta Olympics as well until she hurt her shoulder and I remember her getting a call or the family getting a call to say she could go to the AIS and we were on a farm in rural South Australia at the time and my mother said you know can she take a pet oh no no you can't have pets you know you can have a goldfish Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, looking out, we had four horses, you know, two cats, four dogs yeah. or something, and you think, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, she was 12, like that whole transition. Yeah. And the next dorm was the basketball team. And, you know, <laughs> six-foot men there, and she's sort of tiny little 12-year-old that has taken out of comfort zone, no family there, and that whole transition. My mother just sort of went, okay, I don't, I'm not sure if this is going to be right for her. But, yeah, just to think that taken out of your comfort zone a life you've got to live and thrown into that at a young age yeah uh, look it's it's definitely not for everybody there was some athletes that were really homesick and relied on their home environment I think the I think most of the guys that came to realize that that's the only way for them to improve and we had a lot of swimmers from regional Australia so I mean Pat- Patria Thomas and Adam Pine who were from Ballina and there was no real you know, there was facilities there, but there's no squads. There's nothing like the Institute of Sport. And there's a lot of swimmers from, from Perth that um, were selected for the 4 by 2 the likes of Todd Pearson and Bill Kirby. And they knew that for, for them to be part of this, this squad and moving into Sydney 2000, they had to be in Canberra. So the great thing was, it's I think, you know, the intention for those guys that were there they knew what they had to do and they were there in the right place. So, yeah, but for, for those that were still arming and arming, I think it wasn't for them. So, yeah, I think it was pretty self-selective, that place. But, um, yeah, I'm very glad that I did go there. Yeah. Do you think that's the same now? Do you think people have to still go to the AIS or um, these institutions to be able to achieve in the sport? Or do you think they can stay regionally or state-based? to be able to achieve now? Oh, look, unfortunately, the the resident program at the Institute of Sport doesn't exist anymore. So a lot of the state institutes have set up a lot of programs locally and the Victoria Institute of Sport's probably now the leading institute where it was, you know, yeah. when I was swimming, it, it was obviously tiny. It didn't really have any facilities as such. Now, you know, with, you know, with Natawadding and Melbourne Big Centre and many other squads there, really sort of established themselves really well and obviously Queensland is with the likes of everyone Dean Boxall and Michael Bowl and you know Chris Mooney they've got so many great sort of squads up in Queensland the the one that probably suffers the moment is New South Wales it's one that was in the lead up to Sydney had a lot of funding with and Swiss and now unfortunately it's probably the one that's really um, falling behind but uh, yeah I think Chris Fidler is trying to uh, he's on the He's the head of uh, New South Wales swimming at the moment, so he's going to try and get get them back up up to scratch. Beautiful. And that's it. There's so many people out there that are wanting to achieve and make swimming better in each state. So hopefully we can push that and develop swimming back into its prime that it has always been. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So what's been the biggest lesson you've learned on your swimming journey so far? Mm, that's a, a really good more? question. Yeah, look, I've probably learned more than just one life lesson. I've, you know, I've definitely realized that swimming was, I needed something like swimming in my life to get the most out of myself. I was probably an introvert as a kid and I was a little bit shy. And I think that came from, you know, me moving around. And and I think I needed something that I could express myself uh, through. And, and for me, the sport ended up being 
what what it was and i found that i realized that whatever i was doing i i loved the process of preparation and you know it wasn't always about the, the racing itself but actually getting ready for for that race it was for me sometimes as just as exciting as what it was standing on the blocks when just before the gun went so i loved the process i was very analytical i tried to learn as much as i could about the sport about myself about my competitors so and then i think it helped me to probably come out of my shell my shell because i in sport and i think in life in general i think communication with others and talking to other people and you know helping them and then vice versa is something that benefited me in life after sport where i think previously i would have been in in my shell and only talking to my coach and whereas now i'm very open in regards to learning about all different fields and um not just sports so i think you know so communication knowledge and then having the right people around me i think i learned that from the institute where you know having experts in all different areas and they can really help you to get the most out of yourself and i did that try to replicate that in life after sport and business and surrounding yourself with like-minded people but maybe experts in areas that you're not in and that's what um, I definitely learned that was really important and I probably the biggest lesson is that and it's people say you have to find your passion or you have to find the love for what you what you've got it's but it's not as easy as it sounds but I was very fortunate that you know from the age of 1 or 2 or whatever it is that I did find that passion. I never went on school camp and and they say how don't you feel like you've missed out on the childhood that most kids have and I said for me no I'd I'd rather go on a swimming camp with my swimming mates than to go on school camp and mark mark up there. So, you know, yeah, so I think it's you know finding that passion was whatever it is if it's something musical or creative or or academic for example, but I was very fortunate that you know identified swimming as the thing that was going to get me through yeah and it's amazing you've been able to get that so early on as well i mean there's lots of people out there that have to try and find their passion and midlife crisis comes in all those sort of things and to be able to get that so young and to be able to develop on it and now bring it in as a swim school owner that's i think something that you can carry through for the rest of your life Yeah definitely and I, you know those key learnings that I mentioned about you know continually learning and you know expanding my knowledge and then obviously you know having the right people working within the business and you know having that same sort of passion towards it and I I apply that into the business straight after swimming which was a skincare business that I had and now now learn to swim which has actually been going for probably longer than anything <laughs> over 20 years but and then I do some you know corporate health and wellness which a lot of the things there is an amazing correlation from my life as an athlete to you know trying to achieve the most you can in everyday life so and a lot of those kind of um key learnings that I just mentioned I you can apply into any field and it and it's still sort of relevant so um yeah I think I'm I'm very fortunate that swimming came into my life and I've been able to use it in a way to better myself but yeah it gave me a great opportunity to travel and meet people and and now I'm able to share my knowledge with with others yeah and i think also inspire like others as well the the amazing career that you had and to think the people that you've inspired like myself watching you swim in the olympics and learning about you and then from that wanting to get into swimming and and there's so many more people out there that would have been inspired by that journey that you've had I think it's amazing to be able to achieve that and also for the way you look at it you know we always say to our kids it's the effort you put in not the achievement that you get at the end that we should be praising and you had that in your training and that analytical side that you mentioned how you're wanting to yeah. more of it into the training well. Yeah I think you know in, in sport in it is oh it's, it's not sad but it's reality that there's only a, such a small percentage of of athletes not not just in swimming but in any field that you know get to stand on that top dais and i think if if it was only about winning i think you'd be'd find that there'd be probably no no participants in sport i think yeah, so many great sort of learnings and people get so much in return from being part of these great groups of people and being on 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 same journeys and 
And basically, it's really a, a testing themselves, testing their character, testing their body, testing their soul, really, to they're made of. So I think I put myself in that same category that I was, when I was competing at an elite level, I was constantly testing myself. And then, you know, after sport, I'm still testing myself, just slightly differently. <laughs> yep, I love that. That's good. <laughs> I found it interesting how someone who, as an Olympic swimmer, you, you know how to swim like that's your number one thing you know how to swim before eat and sleep but yeah. to then have to go through and learn how to teach kids to yeah. swim how's that transition is it a strange one or is it a hard one or oh absolutely it's definitely not something when it comes for me to do learn to swim or when I do clinics I, I definitely have a an easier time teaching, you know, kids that are in pre-squad or squad where, you know, that's what I was taught the whole time and that's probably what I retained. So the actual learn to swim process, I had to teach myself as well because it's those times I can't remember. You know, at Clean Swim, we certainly have a, a very precise method and progression within our levels. So those sort of things I had to had to learn. It, it did help me be, becoming a father and communicating with kids yeah. and knowing what they react to and what they, you know, you can't be too authoritarian, but then you can't be too relaxed. And, you know, we have a keeping them occupied and not turning their back on them, etc. So there's all these rules that I've had to learn in my journey and then through life and being a dad that sort of came, came naturally to me. But definitely the early stages in, in learn to swim are trickier for me than, say, pre-squat and squat as well. Yeah. So when you first went into the learn to swim side, did you work with another swim school or did you go straight into Klim Swim? No, we, we pretty much went straight into Klim Swim. We had a few few swimmers that we actually worked with, the likes of Nick Baker and, and Glenn, uh, Glenn Baker as well. They helped us develop the program. So there were um, ex-professional swimmers and Gene Jackson, also one of my original coaches, helped us to create this program that, we felt was a system that could work really well and to this day we haven't really changed it at all so it is definitely been proven so we've developed our own method really so that was we're pretty proud of that and so we're sticking to that but we've definitely had input from you know people in the industry and also people from competitive swimming and then obviously my knowledge as well so and then yeah our family's been really sort of immersed in sort of in in learn to swim for many years yeah and that's fantastic you've been able to draw on that network that you have and use their skills and your own skills and even your family skills to be able to build such a fantastic business that's been able to teach so many kids you've spoken about a a number of mentors or people that have helped you through on your journey is there anyone that's stood out for you or is there a number of people that have been mentors and helped you along that journey yeah, look, there's probably a few. I, I, I wouldn't say there's one person that I, I would have idolised. You know, as a, as a kid, probably someone like the likes of Mike, Michael Jordan because I was the basketball and probably played too much of that when I was swimming and rolled too many ankles and got injured and I was in trouble <laughs> from my coach. But But when it came to actually then having sort of mentors and it, it was people that I actually learned from in, in real life so you know Gennady Turetsky was my coach and when I moved away from home and I was 16 he became my father figure and so you know he was definitely my bit of a mentor of mine and then you know I got to swim with Kieran Perkins and got to room with him and you know I got to look at the best swimmers in the world and they became kind of my mentors and likewise in business you know my dad's very successful and had a great mind and logical when it came to sort of that that process and so I think for me it was really trying to cherry pick the the good lessons from the right people and and apply them you know because even though my Michael Jordan it was only what I saw on tv and in posters you know it wasn't you know unfortunately I didn't get to spend much time with him so but you know the other the people in, in my life they were doing great things I was able to learn from I really like how you said, yeah, being able to cherry pick out the best bits out and to take what's going to help you, but also probably adapt what they have to say into your business and your life and how you swim and 
yeah, how you developed as a person. I think that's fantastic to be able to choose what comes through. Yeah, exactly. I think we all try to be my own person in, in a way as well. So, and, you know, I think I've realized very early on that we all make mistakes and we're all human beings and we can, yeah, I think the more approachable people were with helping me. And for me, that was one of the best probably mentorships that I could have people that could would sit down with me and talk to me about anything. So I value that a lot. Yeah. That's fantastic. Be able to just share that knowledge with you. And, and I think take the time to listen to you. Mm, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now that you've had such an amazing career and you've developed a fantastic, well, two fantastic businesses and many more opportunities in corporate, <laughs> what would be the advice you would give to new swim teachers or coaches or anyone coming into the aquatics field? I'm not sure if you agree, but I think coming into the, the learn to swim sort of field now is probably a really good time because there's been a bit of a lull, obviously, due to COVID. There's been a lot of pool closures. There's been restrictions put up on the, the whole industry really because of because of that fact there's been a lot of noise made around the importance of you know learn to swim the importance of water safety the importance of you know what learn to swim can provide from a development point of view for any kids not just kids that want to go to the olympics but just in general i found for me even when doing my sort of clinics or the squads and that to see progression in kids, which that's the great thing about teaching kids is you can see progression really quickly. And that's kind of probably the most rewarding thing I find that sometimes teaching adults, you get that the progression is much slower, but kids are like sponges and they, they absorb or the ones that are sort of obviously very passionate about it, they can progress really quickly. Yeah. So anyone wanting to, to get into the industry, I think it's for one very rewarding it's a very important industry as well. I think we all value that for not only is it can save lives, but it, you know, from a development point of view, it's also really, really important. And it's, it's also kind of fun because you're spending time with kids that are, you know, they're, they're having the best time of their life when they're in the water. So, yeah, so I think it's really encouraging. I think that's a fantastic way of looking at it. Like you said, coming out of COVID, it's a fantastic, it's a great time because of the fact that so much emphasis has been put onto it. We've had to strip our lives back to bare pretty much and mm. realise what's you know, what drives us, what pushes us and what's a necessity in our lives. And for children, learning to swim is that one major necessity, which we've actually had a clear focus to be able to share it now instead of the noise of everyday life covering up and you just trying to pick out clients and get as many clients in. Now we've had yeah. a clear focus and people have been able to share that message a lot more. Yeah, definitely. You know, like I think we've known that swimming is kind of, or learn to swim is a bit of a rite of passage. A lot of kids in Australia, but I think a lot of these sort of, this process has been made a little bit trickier with, you know, obviously the recent events. But I think now that, I think if anything, there there is certainly a lack of instructors and good ones to find in the industry. So I think if you're passionate about it, if you want to make a change or influence the you know the next generation, I think with the right attitude, it's definitely a great great industry to be a part of. Yeah, well said, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so for you, what does swimming look like into the future? Well, for me, I'm, I'm involved in swimming in a, in a number of different ways. Um, obviously, clean swim, and we've talked about that for previously, but I'm also part of the World Series Swims, which is an open water swim series around Australia. We, we run events from Mooloolaba right through to Cooley, Noosa. We're about to kick off an event in Bali as well. So we cater for our kids and adults of all ages and abilities. So we do the Junior Giants, which is a 300-meter open water swim, right through to where we have the elites that do it the 10K. And we, you know, we've had the likes of Nick Sloman and Karina Lean win those events, which they're obviously Olympians that we're very proud of to have them as part of our events. So I'm looking forward to growing those events as one of the fastest growing sports in Australia in terms of percentage, in terms of numbers. So open water swimming is a bit of a passion of mine so we've got the learn to swim we've got the open water yeah there's, anything else there's you could do yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you've touched a, on yeah. nearly every part of swimming i think <laughs> exactly so yeah it's uh 
and then you you know for me personally i still enjoy you know running sort of clinics and more technical sort of events with uh you know focusing on, on technique and making that transition from you know pre-squad squad and then club swimming so and for me swimming is still a big part of my weekly routine i'll probably try and get in the water at least twice a week to swim about i swim 2k i think 2k is kind of a, a good distance in my mind and I feel like I've done something when I've done 2K. If I'm feeling really energetic, I'll try and get up to three. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's amazing. And especially, it's a, is it different? Well, for me, it feels different. I'm not much of an open water swimmer, although we're hoping to move to Yapoon in Queensland in a year. Right. So <laughs> I might have to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and I want to try and get into the great Keppel swim, the ocean swim around Fantastic. there. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So I hope to throw my kids in. For me, it feels like a big difference between swimming the ocean to the pool, but it could be just me that I'm probably not the fittest and the best swimmer out there and I'm very slow. Is it different for you as a coming from an elite swimming background? Look, it's definitely different. And I think that, you know, once you acknowledge the fact there is so many di- different things to focus on and there's a lot of different variables that you don't have to worry about in the pool. So, you know, obviously your, your sighting and where you're swimming is is really important because if you start sort of heading off in different directions, you you end up swimming a lot further than you really, really want to. So I think your stroke is can vary. So you have to teach yourself to look up if it's every 10, every 20 or every 30 strokes to make sure you're, you're heading in the right direction. Managing the chop is also, uh, or the swell, and, and it does affect your technique. So the pool, you can get into a nice rhythm. If you're swimming in a 50-meter pool, you've got to turn to, to sort of give you a bit of a break every now and again, whereas open water, you're co- constantly on in terms of where where you're heading. And, yeah, so you've got to try and keep your rhythm with that as well. So I've been doing it for quite some time now. So for me, open water has become almost second nature, but it definitely did take a while for me to get used to it. So I definitely feel like it's it's more liberating when you're out in the, mm-hmm. in the open and you just sometimes I just get in and I swim. I don't. I've got no idea how long for and, you know, I just have a bit of a float halfway through and then come back. So I think swimming outdoors in the, in the salt water, fresh air, I think it's, it's one of the best, not only physical exercises, but from a mental health point of view, it's really good as well. Yeah, and I think that's been a fantastic staple that for some being able to live near the beach, they can still get out and have that swim in the open water and you know even through COVID get that break and that time off in the water yeah definitely it's been a big part of my kind of uh <laughs> for me to stay sane I'm in Sydney at the moment and I've been heading down to Rose Bay and swimming around the marina because there's the boats are kind of moored most of the time so there is no waves and then head down to the Murray Rose pool as well so there's yeah there's plenty Obviously, in Sydney and Queensland, the water is not too cold. You can still get in and have a bit of a paddle. But it's, uh, yeah, I think it's a great, great opportunity to do something, you know, active during lockdown. Yeah, that's right. And I think a few Melbournians that have been jumping in the ocean have been finding the benefits of cold water swimming. Yeah, well. absolutely. <laughs> well, I've got a couple of nephews that are very keen swimmers, and my, my sister's been sending me pictures and videos of them swimming probably two or three times a week in their wetsuits and in Port Phillip Bay so it's yeah the keen the keen ones you they'll make sure they, they won't miss the swim yeah that's right it was a, a girl I know through family friends and yeah her uh, pool was shut down during COVID she went in and swam and she was doing yeah, one to two k's in ocean swimming mm-hmm. it got to the point that she couldn't do that when the pool's open so she continued ocean swimming until they were able to get enough time to be able to build up that K, uh, yeah. 2K mileage swimming. She's now moved to Queensland for university and she's doing both open water and pool swimming and achieving quite a lot from it. We've found even through our events, for example, our Noosa Swim, which sold out last year, this year we're already at 2,000 swimmers that have, you know, the event's not till February and, it, you know, the, the entries are going really well. So there's definitely, I think people are really yearning for these kind of outdoor events and open water swimming and not necessarily to compete, but just to challenge themselves personally and be part of a, probably a, a group of knowing that everyone 
loves swimming and it's it's just a great pastime so yeah I'm, I'm sort of really excited to be part of world series swims and, and that whole open water movement yeah well i never know i might see you at the great keppel island <laughs> swim <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a couple of years. You might have to team up so you can get me near that podium. <laughs> That's it. Well, I'm not very quick these days. I just sort of float around the course, but it's still good to be in the water. Yeah, that's right. Yep, to be able to see mm. the difference. And I think also when I swam it in the around Great Keppel earlier this year, it was amazing to be able to get in. And I always say oh, following that black line can be boring where you jump into the ocean. And, you know, we saw turtle, we saw coral and all sorts of stuff and to think to be able to see that in just a, a swim you know you get the eight stars and see that world under the ocean is amazing as well yeah okay I think it's a skill that I think all swimmers can take you know use for the rest of their life you know I where I go anywhere around the world and if, I, if there's no gym or if I'm in a in a warm climate you know I remember having swum in Croatia and in the West Indies and where, you know, like you can swim anywhere. So it's yeah. just a great skill to have. And it definitely takes your mind off things. It's, it's one where you definitely feel refreshed because it is very meditative in a sense where you have to focus on your breath. Your sensories are a little bit out of whack. Your visions can normally, goggles are fogged up and you can't <laughs> hear properly. So you really sort of have that break from, you know, the outside world. So I think it's definitely, that's why people always say you never regret a swim. And I think, uh, yeah, I think it, that's why it's such a good exercise for for all of that. Yeah, that's definitely true. <laughs> so how can we as an individual and as an industry promote and develop Learn to Swim and the competitive side to encourage more participants? But can we do that with less funding? Right now, I think it's definitely you know, raising the awareness of the importance of it. And I think as a small businesses and I think it's really important as a community, we do it within our, let's say our Richmond pool, we do, we try and get around to a lot of the local schools and that's, you know, that's a very cost-effective way of promoting the importance of, of learn to swim, getting in front of the kids, but also the parents. And it's, it's a very cost-effective way of, of doing it because if you there are the bigger groups like the Belgravias and the YMCA's that obviously have have bigger budgets and they and they market slightly differently. But I think making that connection with the local community is really important. So through open days, school appearances, especially even in regional Victoria, where you know you might not be close to the beach, but there is so many waterways, and it's still really important to have that water safety message you know portrayed so i think as an individual we're trying to get out to as many schools as we can within our areas and for me personally there was obviously around the olympics now that swimming is very much you know in the limelight and people want to talk about not only our great swimmers we can talk about the importance of you know learn to swim as well so there are so many great and obviously social media as well and through your platform, I think obviously through if it's podcasts or blogs or I think we can definitely communicate, you know, water safety tips and learn to swim sort of advice and how to do it and et cetera. So through, you know, social media and, and direct mail out as well. Yeah, I like that. There's so many opportunities that we can spread the word and it is about spreading the word, letting people know about swimming and how amazing it is and connecting with your community like you said, mm. in your swim school area, who can connect with going to the schools and getting that knowledge out to the kids who are then, you know, the big decision makers in families of with sport um, statistics show that it's the children and the mothers, the fathers get left behind. So <laughs> to be able to connect <laughs> with the children and being able to share it with them and then hopefully they take it back to their mothers and their parents to be able to, and the family to be able to say, this is what we should be doing. We should be getting into the water and working in your community, but also being in pushing that message out into the world and out to everyone in regards to social media and sharing. And I know with my swim school and with the swim club that I am president of, giving <laughs> the kids there the opportunities is a major thing for me this year is taking them out to inland waterways to teach them that it's different to a pool and how do you see exactly. that? Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, there's the other opportunity is maybe 
it's what Climsum actually tried to um, promote and actually joining forces with other swim schools if there are within the area. And there's, I think, collectively, you know, uh, conveying that message to communities or to different events. I think it's really important that I think, you know, I think we can combine forces rather than feeling like there is, you know, being competitive against each other. I think we're, there is certainly enough pupils and there's enough kids and for us to all benefit from from this industry it's just for us it's we have to generate that movement moving forward so you know just to reiterate I think definitely that more of sort of community kind of programs and conveying that through through schools or community events and I think getting to as you said getting to the kids and uh, this is no better time than the present with still having that you know obviously the Olympic kind of uh, memories lurking around I think this would be the, the perfect time and as we're coming out of out of COVID this would be the perfect time to to strike so to speak. Yeah that's exactly right connecting with that and using that as an advantage to be able to pull that journey and continue that journey along. I wanted to touch on and you were talking about it there the work that uh, Klim Swim is doing to be able to bring Melbourne the aquatic centres and the the swim schools out of lockdown and how we can get back into it do you want to touch on what Klim Swim and yourself are offering? Yeah, definitely. So we found that there was a really tough time, obviously. You know, Victorians have been in lockdown for over 200 days and over the last couple of years. And it's, it's a really tough time for small businesses, as you can imagine. So there is not only financial stress, there is obviously employment stress in terms of employment, generating, I guess, the the interest getting people to re-enroll to lessons as well there's been a lot of hurdles that as small business we've had to overcome and there's the the ongoing costs as well so if we're running a business from anything from heating to electricity to you know the, just something that, that we all have to take care of so so Clemson, we just wanted to pretty much join forces and see how we can support other sim schools that might be going through the same sort of scenario that we are so if it was you know maybe assisting them with funding or with some maybe marketing initiatives or social media or can like for example I was able to to get on the today show and talk about the water safety issues and trying to get the kids back and to learn to swim as soon as possible as soon as the restrictions lift so it was almost just finding out what the needs were of other swim schools in the industry and how we could help you know we've always been in in the industry for over 20 years and maybe collectively we could overcome them so is it potentially sharing instructors you know where you know there is a shortage of of instructors in certain areas and you know obviously as I mentioned conveying the message through social media etc etc so yeah that's what we wanted to pride ourselves on and and convey to other swim schools. That's fantastic that you're lending your experiences to be able to offer that and to build a community, I think it was on one of my previous podcasts with Gary Toner from Asta. He was yeah. saying, there's no need to fight for the market. There's so many more exactly. kids out there that aren't yeah. learning to swim. That Yeah, yeah. The catchment area for us is certainly big enough. There is enough pupils there that want to, to or need to learn to swim. And then I think collectively we can sort of generate that community or create the community that will convey the right message and, and their interest for, for everybody involved. Yeah. That's fantastic. I think also I wanted to just quickly touch on with the amazing work that you're doing. Do you think the opportunity for the fact that you are an Olympic swimmer to be able to draw on your profile as well is helpful for the industry? And is that something others can do that have been to that elite side? Or Oh, absolutely. You know, I think it's something that we've tried to maximise as much as we can. And especially in the, in the recent times, first lockdown you know there is and then the second one just recently with the today show I think it was it is for us it's such an important message and and obviously trying to convey to the Victorian government at the time that pools were when it came to COVID it was actually one of the most safer places to be and for kids and it could have been regulated that we could have done it in a safe manner and continue learn to swim there are cases where there's, there's kids that have missed out on over two or three terms of, of swimming lessons, which can be, could be potentially detrimental. But yeah, I, you know, I think it's, I'm very fortunate that I'm in that position where when I did reach out to the media and to wanted to talk about the, 
the issues that COVID have, has really caused and what we want to do to overcome that there's you know I was able to be heard so and I'll continue to do so until I <laughs> until I can but I think it's yeah and then obviously when I'm speaking about the industry I'm speaking for every Zoom school out there and the whole community so I think it's it's mutually beneficial yeah well thank you for doing that because it does make a difference and like you said to be able to share that message and if you can get get in contact with them easier than a a lot of us can I think that's fantastic you're willing to put yourself out there and do that for the community of aquatics no worries (laughs) well that is my last question um is there anything you wanted to share a bit more of to Oh, yeah, look, if anyone that's, that's got a swim school and what I said might have resonated and they want to get in touch with us, just head to climson.com and, and they can kind of register and we'll get in touch with you as well and see how we can help if there's anything from, you know, like I said, if it's instructors or if it's, you know, marketing or if it's funding, et cetera, we can sort of discuss different areas that, that we could we could assist. But yeah, definitely if, if anyone that's listening and, and or even just wants to vent <laughs> in, through this time and see how we can overcome some of these, you know, the hurdles that we, we're going through. But, yeah, um, thank you for your time. And it's obviously where, as, as we touched on before, it's a, we're a small industry, but there's, and there's definitely enough opportunity for everybody out there that we don't have to necessarily fight for, for the market space. You know, we can sort of do it as a unified force. So, yeah, looking forward to hopefully seeing learn to swim flying along and this time next year yeah that's right it's amazing and you know we'll be able to come back better than ever and make a stand and get these kids back in the pool and up and running exactly sounds good (laughs) 